Welcome to Made by Me, a podcast about entrepreneurship, self-discovery, manifestation, and magic. I'm Kaliska Sweetwater, a born and raised witch and owner of Polaris Jewelry. Today I want to talk about mental health. This is Mental Health Awareness Month and I just wanted to speak on my own experience with my mental health and that journey. I think that it's something that most people struggle with At some point in their life, if not for their entire life, I think it's very under-discussed and I think that we need to be a lot more open and honest about these struggles in life because with the way that social media exists and how we interact with each other just in polite society, I think there is kind of this like surface level presentation of I'm okay everything's great because we don't want to complain and we don't want to be like Debbie Downer we don't want to put our burden out there but I think that when we do that we make people feel more alone or more like an outlier and so I just really wanted to come on here and be honest about the fact that I have had depression and anxiety for as long as I can remember and for me it's not a constant thing it'll be like in chapters the longest I was ever depressed was I think for about three years and that was definitely compounded by circumstance and I think that's also a significant component to the conversation that doesn't get talked about a lot is the conflation of situational depression with like chemical imbalance depression I kind of have both I think a lot of people have some combination of both I definitely think it's a spectrum I think that most of us are on that spectrum I think that there's a lot of expectation to be happy in our society and I think that that added pressure is not productive and is very unhealthy So that being said, I want to start off by describing what depression looks like for me. And this whole episode is only about my experience. I am not a healthcare professional. I am not a academic professional on this topic. This is really just my perspective from my own experience and showing kind of how it manifests in my life and how I have interacted with it over the years and developed a healthy relationship with my mental health over time. So for me, what depression looks like, whether it is situational or chemical, it does look different. So if I am situationally depressed, um, it's more of like a deep sadness with like a lethargy and kind of just sad, low mood. Um, And for other chapters of time, it really, I can tell that it's depression because there is no external cause. There is no thing outside of myself to be like, look, that's why I'm sad. That's why I'm this and that. And it also is more easy for me to identify because it's not like I'm crying. It's not like I am showing sadness in that visual way. It's more just like um, a lack of thoughts. Like my brain just slows down. I get so lethargic. My body will hurt physically all over. Um, Kind of like a deep ache. It's really, really difficult for me to get out of bed in the morning. Like I'll wake up and I'll just be exhausted. 
um that was one of the reasons that I got like a really tall bed frame was so I could just kind of like flip my legs out and then I'm standing up um and that's that's kind of the level of exhaustion that people with chronic depression experience is just this really difficult everything that should be easy to do is incredibly difficult to do and this kind of brings up to mind off topic but on topic the advice that people will give to people with depression of you just need to run around the block you just need to exercise and it's incredibly harmful because while it may be productive if we were able to get up and go on a jog when we were depressed it is so unrealistic like if i'm not able to get out of bed and put on pants and do my dishes how do you expect me to run around the block right now it's such a dismissive attitude and it comes from people who have experienced sadness and perhaps situational depression but if you're dealing with chemical depression it really is not to that level like I have even had my therapist in the past say like oh you should exercise and maybe she did mean like maybe you should just stretch a little bit in your living room because that can be productive and it is good to just kind of move your body to a small amount I think to any amount is great but to tell someone to get to a level of exercise where they are cultivating endorphins is just such a minimalization of that pain Um, And that kind of leads me into something that Eckhart Tolle talks about, which is the pain body. And this is something that I've thought about a lot since I heard him talk about it on a podcast this last summer, 2020, because he talks about how if you identify with your pain and your suffering, it becomes who you are. It becomes your ego. It is part of your identity. And he posits that when you do that it grows and you are choosing that path in life and it was helpful for me to hear that at the time that i did because i was kind of done healing and ready to move forward and was in a stuck place and i definitely have known people who their identity is their illness or their pain however i think that the conclusion that i've come to is that it's too simplistic to say that like you have to experience the pain body enough to understand what it is what it's telling you what it's doing sit with it experience it and you have to have your pain validated and that is the most difficult thing with mental health is because there is this attitude of get over it that it takes a long time for that pain to be validated at least for me it took me i really need to have my pain validated and i think it's a very important component for most people if we're suffering we need to feel like our suffering is real to be able to let go of it because if you tell me that my pain isn't real it feels like gaslighting and it feels like such an invalidation that like my grip tightens on it like i am suffering i am in physical pain you know like i need this to be validated so that i can be like oh it does suck you know like thank you for validating that just like relax about it you know and so i think that that is a really important component that we need to 
remember when we're talking to people who have mental health. I think it's really easy to start giving advice and kind of jump into like problem solving mode. But if someone is coming to you and telling you that they're in pain, I think the best thing to do is to just like hold space for that. And by that, I mean just like be like, oh, that sucks. That's terrible. I've experienced something like that in the past and it was like very painful for me, you know? And I think that personal anecdotes are the best way to give advice, like if you are going to do that, but you shouldn't do it before you validate the pain. Because if you skip that step, you're not really listening to what the person is saying. Um, And I think that this is something that goes far beyond the topic of mental health. But for me, it was significant in my mental health journey. I needed to have my pain validated so that I could live with it. Another thing that has helped me live with my mental health aspects of depression and anxiety has been medication. The longest that I was ever depressed was for about three years and it wasn't every day. That's not really how it looked like for me, Um, but it was like a dark chapter and it was a combination of situational depression and chemical imbalance depression. So for me, after many months of therapy and processing on my own, I just was at a point where I needed help. So I went to my therapist and she recommended me to another therapist who did prescriptions. I can never remember which one's the psychiatrist or the the other one, but I went to the one that prescribes and he basically explained to me that we don't know why medications work. Um, This is such a new field that it really is just trial and error. So I tried, I think, four or five different antidepressants and I would try one and have major symptoms and then we would like lower the dose and lower the dose and then give that a chance and then adjust or switch medications after a couple months. And so for me, I did find a combination that really helped me after a certain point I was taking Wellbutrin and Adderall and I did that I was on that medication for about I want to say two years maybe three years two and a half years something like that and I decided to get off of it at a point where I could handle my pain like I felt like okay this is going to be really tough but I feel like I'm ready to you know move through it um And the reason that I chose to do that was because Adderall is not healthy for if you if you can live without it, it's, you know, good to do so, Um, especially since it's not commonly prescribed for depression. For me, the Wellbutrin really helped me with my mood, but it did not help me with the like get out of bed, put on my shoes type of energy. So that was why my doctor suggested it. Um, But my dad raised a concern about it and that really made me think twice because he very rarely gives me that type of specific advice. So that made me really, you know, sit down and reconcile and be like, okay, I need to, I need to get off of these. This seems like the right time. And it was brutal. I, I was really in a, in a weird place for about 
three months after I went off of them and then my body just kind of adjusted you know and I think that that's something you also should think about is like when you're going off of a medication just expect it to be crappy you know and if it's not amazing but if it is just know that that's temporary and you'll get through it and if it sucks for too long maybe go back on the medication you know I don't think there's any shame in being on antidepressants or anything like that anything that helps you with your mental health i'm totally pro all of that because it's very stigmatized and i think it shouldn't be and we all need a little help sometimes and you know mental health is just like any other type of health if you broke your leg no one would expect you to go without a cast it's unreasonable and it's unhealthy in that situation i also want to talk about the connection of anxiety and depression um i most of my friends have some combination of both. I think it has been a component to why we bond and how we understand each other and why we are so respectful of each other because we know what that pain is. And <clears throat> I don't think it's required in my friends, but I think that just because it's so much more common than what we acknowledge, it's just very likely that people have these things. And I've learned over the years that most people have both. If you have depression, you probably have some anxiety. If you have anxiety, you probably have some depression. And I say it that way because usually one is bigger than the other in your life. Um, and also those can oscillate over time. So for me, I predominantly have had depression in the past with some anxiety. Now, just since 2020, I predominantly have anxiety and I have some depression. And that was something that was very interesting for me to watch. I didn't know that the two could flip and I am still trying to figure out how to navigate this new aspect of anxiety because I am so familiar with depression and how I interact with my depression that I just haven't done that work with my anxiety yet and like even today as I record I am having a very high anxiety day I did take some CBD tincture about an hour ago and that helped and that brings me into the topic of self-care versus self-soothing I think that these topics are often conflated and I recently learned the difference of them and it was very eye-opening to me because for many years I thought that the way that people talked about self-care was absolutely ridiculous. Like the idea that if you're depressed you should take a bubble bath like made me a little bit mad. And now that I understand that it is self-soothing when you take a bath, which is a component of self-care, that was a big shift in my understanding and I think something that's very helpful to understand. Because self-care in my mind is anything that they would do on Queer Eye, right? So like cleaning your room, making your house look nice, doing your dishes, washing your face, washing your hair, keeping your body clean. All of these things that are incredibly difficult to do when you are in a depressed episode. These things are all self-care. When you like really kind of work hard to care for yourself and for me that has been a huge component to my managing my depression 
I have had depression for so long that I can see it coming on. Usually, if I catch it quickly, I can shift it and set myself on a new path. So like, if the if I feel the depression, I have probably like two days of like, okay, my, my energy is so low, my body hurts, I feel so sad, but I'm not crying. There's no reason for this emotion. I will do self-care. So that means I will clean my entire house. I will do all my laundry. I will do every dish in my home. I will make sure that I'm taking a shower every single day. I will make sure I'm leaving the house every single day. I will call my friends. I will make plans that make me feel excited. I will distract myself by doing lots of activities that stimulate my mind. And if I really focus on that, even though it is exhausting when it's happening, I can usually snap myself out of it in about two days. If I let myself sit in it, like if I feel it coming on and I don't clean my house and I let the dishes pile up and I let myself not take a shower, which are allowed in how society talks about self-care, it will last potentially for months. That's not saying that these things will prevent your depression. These are just things that have worked for me because my depression is not debilitating to the point that a lot of people's is, but my depression has been debilitating to that point in the past. Um, So I don't want to say and minimize what depression is by saying like if you do these things you will be healed but I want to say that this is what I do when I feel it coming on and it works really well for me and my level of depression that I experience. I think that it's really important to know what those things are for you, what those self-care things are for you, um, and really have it planned out when you're in a good headspace so that when you feel that little dip You don't have to think about it and figure it out in that moment because that's very unrealistic. Like if I am in a depressed headspace, my thoughts are gone and I don't know how to proceed. So when I'm not depressed, making a list of things that make me feel good, really paying attention to what days I feel better and what I did on those days, writing them down. I have a list of things that bring me joy very simple things that I'm able to do when I feel that little dip. I think that everybody should have that knowledge about themselves and that ability to look at themselves and learn those things when they're in a good chapter. And everyone should have a list of things that bring them joy and have friendships where they know that they can talk to that person and they don't have to entertain them. They don't have to be in a good mood to talk to that person. That person will enjoy to talk to them regardless. I think you should figure out who those people are for you before you're in a bad way so you can call on them in those moments. I think that everyone who has good health insurance and can afford to do so should be in therapy as mental hygiene. I am not in therapy right now because I do not have health insurance currently, but that's something that I'm going to be investing in regardless in the near future. Finding a therapist is a super daunting process, and that is definitely a component of why I have not moved forward with it yet. 
because it's kind of like dating. You have to find them somehow in the world. They have to be available taking on new clients and it has to be a good match. This goes back to the idea that mental health as a field of study is such a new world. There are many, many, many different ways that people do therapy. There are a lot of different schools of thought and they're all dependent on what your mental health needs are, how your mind works, and that chemistry between the two of you. There are a lot of therapists who make things worse and that's really scary. So I'm very blessed that when I was in therapy, my mom found the therapist for me and she went to my first appointment with me. And I think that that was really what I needed because when I was in my darkness, thinking about being vulnerable and going to to a therapist, it kind of scared me because I'm like, what if this person has ill intent? I'm letting them in. And what if they make it worse? And I think that's a valid fear. And I think that's why you should have a therapist lined up before anything gets bad. So you have that trust in them before you need it, you know? So it's kind of do what I say, not as I do type of advice since I'm not currently in therapy. But I just want to say that for the record, therapy is amazing and should be viewed as hygiene if you can afford it. There is that elitist element too because therapy is very expensive, you know? So going back to the topic of self-care versus self-soothing. Self-soothing is the topic of what is going to heal your, momentarily relieve your symptoms in the moment. So like if you're having a panic attack, you need to self-soothe. You know, so for me, if I'm having very high anxiety and I think I might die, I get my ass in the bathtub. I love a super hot, super, super hot bath with two cups of Epsom salts. It like makes me feel like I'm being like held all over and the heat kind of like shocks my nervous system and I just have to like focus on how my body feels in the hot water and just like it makes me really like focus on my breathing and I find it very grounding and centering. It brings me back into reality. And I think that that is what self-soothing is, is something where it's just like comfort, a good hug, a good reset. And I think that this is a huge component for anxiety, perhaps more than depression. And I think that now that I'm experiencing more anxiety and less depression, that's why I'm having this insight. Um. Because even though I've always had both, it's just completely different when the dials get turned up on one or the other. You have such a different experience. And the nervous system is such a wild thing. And sometimes it just needs to be suppressed and reset. And that's what self-soothing is. So I highly recommend the Epsom salt bath, but... I, you know, everybody's different. You have to figure out what is that for you. And I think that's the crux of this whole episode is know yourself when you're in a good place so you're prepared when you're in a bad place. We all have things that come up throughout life, dark moments and dark chapters and dips in our serotonin for a cause or without a cause. And I think it's really good to be prepared before those dips come up and learn how to deal with it slowly over time. This last year has really taught me that pain is not something to be 
villainized. It, it does need to be validated. And I think that what I went through in 2020 was easily validated. And I think that other things should be more readily validated when they're not something as drastic as a person that you love dying. Life is incredibly painful and like that's part of the joy of it, you know, like I feel a new sense of gratitude that I get to experience the full spectrum of human emotion and I think that that is really not part of Western culture. I think that we really like to alleviate pain and that's that's um, kind of why the opioid crisis happened was because because of the money that was potentially going to be had based on the prescription of pain medication, we had to villainize pain. We had to make pain... Um, a new vital sign, as it were. And I think that that is something that was only negative in our society. I think that we really need to remember that it's a miracle that we're here, you know? Like, pain or no pain, feeling is beautiful. And the fact that I get to experience emotion is such a blessing. The fact that I get to feel as deeply as I do is such a blessing and I think that if you don't want to feel pain that's valid you know some there were chapters of my life where my pain was too much and I couldn't deal I couldn't figure it out I couldn't handle it and when it gets to that point you should absolutely seek help and medication potentially but I think that we also need to look at pain as a beautiful part of life bodies are weird brains are weird there is a lot that worked out well and there's a lot that doesn't work out as well and I think that the problem in all society is the idea of tidying it up tidying it all up wrapping it in a nice bow, getting all the edges nice, crisp, and clean, everything inside the box, nothing outside the box. And I think it only leads to lying to each other about what our experience of life is and expanding that pain for ourselves and also for each other. Because if we just are able to admit, like when you ask somebody how they are, they're going to say, I'm great or I'm fine or I'm okay. No one is ever going to casually, if you bump into them on the street, be honest and be like, oh, you know, I'm going through it. It's a shitty week, you know, and have that be okay. Like when I have done that with people, they get this look of panic. And I'm not saying the truth about how I'm feeling to give them panic. I'm saying it because I want to normalize 
this vast array of emotions. It's okay to be going through it. It's okay to be having a terrible time. You don't have to heal me in this two-minute conversation when I run into you on the street. But I need you to be comfortable hearing that that's what's real. You know what I mean? Like, I I wish that there's a world or I, I hope that we're working towards a world where it's okay to answer that question honestly when it comes up or to stop asking it. I think that we all need to be more honest about the range of emotion that happens in life and more accepting of the moments when we're struggling. And if we all start to do that, I think we'll all feel a lot less alone. So I love you so much. I hope that this made you feel more seen and I hope that you're doing okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you'd like to see my work, you can head over to polarisjewelry.com.